1: worship at the feet of this angel and the angel says don't do it get up and he did how in the world could something like this happen how in the world could something like this happen especially with someone so committed so all in as john the apostle well here's how it can happen we are all prone to worship something or someone other than god say it one more time we are all prone to worship something or someone other than god
0: Even the most committed, Jesus-loving believers are prone to worship things rather than God. It's in our nature. We're easily deceived, and our feelings and moods change on a whim. We often lose sight of the prize, especially in times of hardship. In today's message, Pastor Danny reminds us that God doesn't expect us to live perfect, sinless lives. In fact, God knows that we're incapable of it. He sent His own Son because He knew it was the only way. Bow down to God alone and keep your focus on Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 19 as he begins his message, the spirit of prophecy, Jesus.
1: Revelation chapter 19. John the Apostle is the one who had the privilege of receiving what we know as the book of the Revelation. Um, In chapter 1, Jesus, the resurrected, glorified Jesus, appears to John. Uh, He's so uh, amazed, you know, and he's affected by it. Um, And then angels also appear to John and communicate things to John. The climax of of the book uh, really is chapter 19, and just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, verse 1, uh, John tells us, after this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. And you go through the chapter, and this is the climax, and heaven is rejoicing because uh, Jesus is about to return. And then there's going to be what's called the wedding supper of the lamb, his bride, all those who have put their faith in him over the years uh, since the beginning of creation uh, to the last one that puts their faith in Jesus Christ will be at this wedding supper. And verse nine, the angel then said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You can take this to the bank. And then verse 10 is fascinating. And before I read verse 10, John the Apostle, again in chapter 1, he tells us he's on the island of Patmos, the Alcatraz of the ancient world, because of his faithfulness to Jesus Christ and his faithfulness to the Word of God. So John's not some half uh, hearted disciple. John's not some wishy-washy follower of Jesus Christ. This dude is all in. Now, look at verse 10. John says, at this, I fell at his feet. This is the angel. I fell at his feet to worship him. What? Thank God for this angel. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you. And with your brothers and those who told through the testimony of Jesus, worship God. That's an important two words, worship God. And then he adds, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Tied into the worship, testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus is the red line running from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus quoted Psalm 40, verse 7. In his earthly ministry, he said to his disciples, in the volume of the book, it's written of me. In chapter 5, when John is taken to heaven, he sees the throne, the father on the throne, 24 elders and seated on these thrones surrounding the throne. And at the center was the lion who is the lamb, the lamb who is the lion. The center, the center, it's Jesus. He's the spirit of prophecy. John falls to worship at the feet of this angel. And the angel says, don't do it. Get up. And he did. How in the world could something like this happen? How in the world could something like this happen, especially with someone so committed, so all in as John the apostle? Well, here's how it can happen. We are all prone to worship something or someone other than God. Say it one more time. We are all prone to worship something or someone other than God. Every one of us. Pastor Danny, Mrs. Hodges, believe it or not. It's interesting, the word prone, I looked it up. We're all prone to worship something or someone other than God. The word prone, is, it means likely to do something regrettable. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitfully wicked, beyond cure. we got a real problem. The Israelites worshiped a golden calf after being delivered from Egypt. The people of Gideon's day worshiped Gideon's gold ephod he had made. Right after Gideon died, they worship a god called Baal. Then they began to worship all kinds of gods. The book of Judges in the Old Testament is just a story of the Israelites, how they would cry out to God after worshiping foreign gods, false gods, and then they get in trouble as a result. Uh, they're kind of in the foxhole, so to speak, crying out to God, Oh, God, save us. God has mercy on them, gets them out of there, and they go right back. Once they get out of the foxhole and they go right back and right back. And Judges, you read the book of Judges and it's just one foxhole experience after another. This roller coaster ride of calling out to God, committing your life to Him, and then all of a sudden you're right back to the old life. We're all prone to worship something or someone other than God. Why is that? Little booklet. You've heard me refer to it before. One of the best little books other than the Bible I've ever read. It's called The Air I Breathe by a fellow named Louis Giglio. He opens with this statement. You, my friend, are a worshiper. There, I said it. Every day, all day long, in every place, you worship. It's what you do. It's who you are. So if by chance you've only a few seconds to glance through this book, that's what it's all about. We're all worshipers created to bring pleasure and honor to the God who made us. You may not consider yourself a worshiping kind of person, but you cannot help but worship something. It's what you were made to do. Should you, for some reason, choose not to give God what he desires, you'll worship anyway, simply exchanging the creator for something he has created. Think of it this way. Worship is simply about value. The simplest definition I can give is this. Worship is our response to what we value most. That's why worship is that thing we all do. It's what we're all about on any given day. Worship is about saying this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever is what matters to me. It's the thing of highest value in my life. That thing might be, listen, A relationship, a dream, a position, status, something you own, a name, a job, some kind of pleasure. Whatever name you put on it, this thing is what you've concluded in your heart is worth most to you. And whatever is worth most to you, you guessed it, is what you worship. Everybody has an altar, every altar has a throne. That's why the first of the Ten Commandments is such a challenge. You shall have no other gods besides me. That's we're saying again. You shall have no other gods besides me. Now, people that don't understand, people that have no spiritual understanding have actually accused God of having this ego kick. They, can't, they think God, God's just into himself. He's so proud. He's so full of himself. And they don't have the spiritual understanding to know what he's talking about here and what the motivation behind this command is. You shall have no other gods besides me. What is the motivation? Ephesians one twenty three and Colossians 2.9 and 10. What they talk about is Jesus Christ as a human being. One of them tells us that Jesus is the deity in bodily form, and then I believe it's Colossians that tells us that you have been given fullness in Christ. doesn't mean you're God. You'll never be God, but the idea of God and who he is in terms of a human being, a human being, and here's the point, you've been given fullness in Christ. Simple illustration. You go to someone's house, they feed you a nice dinner, and uh, if you're at my house, uh, we're going to always say, you want some more? That's my heritage. My mother, my grandmother, they'd feed you till you just, you, I mean, they'd just keep saying, you want some more? Come on, get some more, have some more. And, and unless you're a glutton, you know, you, you had enough, and you say, "You say, thank you so much, but I am full. I'm full. You've eaten to your satisfaction level, all right, and now you don't want anymore because you don't need anymore, you're full. Jesus is the epitome of a human being being full. You want to know what satisfaction is in life? Jesus is your man. You want to know how to find satisfaction, and the reason why you were created? God's the place to go, and Jesus is the man to follow. I hope you're getting this. Let me drive it home. Let me turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and this is the antithesis of following God and looking to Jesus to find the answers to life and fulfillment in life. This is the antithesis. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul writes, so I tell you this, he's talking to believers, and insist on it in the Lord. This is very important, and it's not negotiable. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, unbelievers, in the futility of their thinking, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They haven't submitted their lives to God. He's not on the throne of their lives. Jesus is not their Savior. And then it says, and listen to how practical this is, having lost all sensitivity, talking about spiritually, they've given themselves over to sensuality. It just means they're following the ways of the world so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're following everything the world would follow and trying to to find life in everything the world finds life in or tries to find life in. But notice, giving themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You want to know what he means by that? Just read the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the testimony of a man named Solomon, David's son. As far as we know, Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. And Solomon tried everything the world had to offer. He had the money, he had the resources, he had women. He had land, he had buildings, he had power, he had fame, he had everything, everything. There is nothing he tells us that he didn't try that the world has to offer. Let me just give you one statement of so many statements that Solomon makes that gives you the principle of what we're talking about here. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 He says, whoever loves money never has money enough. You'll never be satisfied. Money will never satisfy you. There's another verse that says the eyes of man are never satisfied. Listen, I look back over my life. And the things that have brought joy and been blessings in my life have also, listen, they also can be temptations to begin to focus your attention on those things. I remember when we were able to buy our second house, which is still the house we live in. I've only lived in two houses. And I remember standing out front after we moved in at night and and looking and just saying, God, I can't believe you gave me this house. It's got a second story. It gave us room for our kids. It's got a big backyard. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. The the difference is it's a blessing and you count it as a blessing. But some people, you see, that's what they're living for. Now, I'm not saying I'm immune to that. We're all prone to worship something or someone other than God. I'm not trying to put myself above anybody else. better thing to relate would be the second boat. I've had a second house, but i got a second boat too. And in the boating world, in my experience, you never, you never go downsize. You always want a bigger boat. I started with a 20-foot aqua sport. And then, uh, you know, I prayed, and God gave me permission to get another boat. Unfortunately, it took two years after God gave me permission for my wife to give me the permission. And so it was two years later, and we were looking for another one, and finally we get a 25-foot Whalecraft. Now, it's an older hull. God gave me the money to just get a new motor on it, and so I got a a fresh motor, and, and now the bottom's messed up. So... But listen, that thing that can be a blessing, you see, you got to watch out. You got I got to watch out. The eyes of man are never satisfied. You get the house and at first you're all excited about it. But then if you're not careful, you, you want a different house. And, and you think if you get a different house, you'll be satisfied. No, you won't. You think if you get a better boat or a bigger boat or a newer boat, you'll be satisfied. No, you won't. You will initially, and you'll think, this is what I wanted in life, and now my life, I'm going to be totally fulfilled. No, you won't. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie, and we believe it. A little more money, a bigger house, a bigger boat, the motorcycle, whatever it is, beating the rock star. And you just read the stories of the rock stars. Once they got famous, it didn't give them what they were looking for. There is none of them. None of them will say, when we finally arrived, that's when we knew that's where life is. No, the stories are we got there and it wasn't what we thought it would be. That's what the song Hotel California by the Eagles is all about. No matter what anybody says, that's what it's about. <laughs> I heard them in an interview. It's about when they made it in the whole California scene and it didn't deliver what they expected. And it's the story of rock stars. It's the story of movie stars. You look at Elvis. He was miserable. The king. Because he didn't follow the king. If you act like you're getting this, I'll stop yelling and I'll move on to the next point. (laughs) Listen. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Paul discovered the secret to life. His name is Jesus. And Paul said, I've realized what life's all about, and I've sacrificed everything else that was to my profit. Anything that was to my profit, I've said, That's, it's, it's dung. You know what dung is? You take what will support your life, and you flush the rest. Paul's saying, I'm flushing. I'm flushing all this stuff. Jesus is the only thing that matters. And because of that, he tells us he learned. He learned in life. He learned contentment. He found that life wasn't dependent on what he had and what he didn't have and what his circumstances were. He he learned, he learned that life is in Christ, and he is the fullness of life in bodily form. And the closer Paul the apostle got to Jesus, the more he experienced satisfaction in life. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I find it fascinating over the years how, In normal devotional reading, God planned before the beginning of time that some of those devotional reading times, you get them right when you need them and right when they fit. Friday, before I got to finalizing my notes for the message, I did my normal reading and devotional time. And when I went to Psalm 81, I went, Lord, really? Let me read you, Psalm 81, verse 8. Hear, O my people, and I will warn you. If you would but listen to me, O Israel, you shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not bow down to an alien God. I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I'll fill it. But my people would not listen. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts. I gave them what they wanted. I gave them the bigger boat or the house or the fame or the status or whatever. I gave them. I gave them that to teach them a lesson. Verse 13, if my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? In other words, you know what victory in life is really all about. And here's how it ended. Verse 16, but you would be fed with the finest of wheat. Just, if you just listen, the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would, I would satisfy you. And you'd be able to say after you come away from God's table, "Now I'm, I'm full. I'm satisfied. Worshiping anything or anyone other than God leaves me dissatisfied in life. Now, there's another Fascinating thing from our text. John falls to worship at the feet of an angel. Let me give you a scripture, Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Now hang with me here. Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. This is what the Apostle Paul writes here. Verse 18, don't let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels, worship of angels, disqualify you for the prize. Then he describes what he's talking about. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He's lost connection with the head, that's Jesus, from whom the whole body grows as God causes it to grow. What he's talking about here is a belief Um, and a religious practice called Gnosticism. And one of the elements of Gnosticism is the Gnostics said, well, we can't go directly to God because we're not worthy. And so what they began to do is they began to go into the spirit realm. And they would, according to them, have contact with angels. And what became a pattern with the Gnostics is they would come and tell you about their spiritual experience and the angel that it appeared to them. And they believed that this spiritual experience with the angels, the angels would then take their request uh, to God. And so through angels, they would get closer to God. That's the basic summary of some of the teaching of Gnosticism. And that's what Paul the Apostle is writing about here in Colossians chapter 2. And he said, "Were well, you going in a different direction here. No, 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 no. Now, John the Apostle, he didn't have to give up drugs and put God on the throne. He didn't have to give up uh, worshiping materialism. He's on the island of Patmos.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this series called New Testament Highlights, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again the truth of God's Word shines brightly into a dark world. The New Testament highlights that Jesus' life and ministry was a shining light into the Roman oppressed nation of Israel. In addition, the bright testimony of the apostles amidst opposition proved that there are always opportunities to be light in a dark world. Are you sinking into despair about the heaviness that surrounds you with the events and circumstances that seem to get worse? You might wonder if there's any end in sight. Well, keep your chin up, and keep your eyes fixed on the promises of God. He'll never leave you, and that can be a shining beacon of hope. We trust that this teaching has given you a renewed sense of what to live for and what's to come, as you're reminded of other people who are great examples of living out their faith. If you'd like to hear this message again, you'll find it at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to stay up to date on the latest things happening and know when new videos are uploaded. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.